6: Welcome back to the show, Rick Tittle. With you, what you got, girl? That's not what I had had said. Bloop, bloop. I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, I do know how you can be a part of the program. One 878 Play is never to be Heard that's again. One 7529 Got some uh, guests uh, this hour, including Olympic gold medalist Kathleen Baker who as a uh, teenager uh, went down to uh, Brazil and got herself a gold and a silver and uh, swimming by the way. And uh, she's part of that great Cal program. How about that, huh? She's, uh, yeah, speaking of Baker, John Baker went to Cal too. I guess that's just the way. But uh, Kathleen Baker... Uh, is uh, 24 years old and is getting ready to get her done in the next Olympics. That's right. we'll perp. Also, um, in the uh, third hour, we will have Luke Yankee. It's the guy who sings uh, dummy Mas Gasolina. Dummy Mas Gasolina. Oh, wait. No, it's Daddy Yankee. All right. I still can't believe there's a guy named Bad Bunny who's taken seriously. But in a way, I admire it. Like, you're gonna take the world by storm. What do you call yourself? El Rey del Mundo. Nah, that's not good. Let's see, it's Spanish language? Yeah. How about El Serpiente Blanco? No. How about Bad Bunny? I like it. I like it! Alright, I don't know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah, Luke Yankee, not Daddy Yankee. He'll be coming up in the third hour, but most importantly, your calls. 1 800 878 Play Overseas 00 oh, 878 oh, Play. Hey, in the military, American Forces Radio Network, how's it going? A hey, you're doing a great job. All branches of the military, I'm on your side. Thank you for your service, and please be safe. We're on sportsbyline.com as we stream along, and any emails, rick at sportsbyline.com. Get in that way as well. to letting Sports with Rick Tittle, the fan page on Facebook. All right, come on back, y'all.
7: how can i feel as good at the end of the day as i felt at the beginning
8: the all 33 back strong chair makes it possible well how about tech that can triple the size of my monitor when i'm on the go with the mobile pixel trio it's possible
7: how can my small business make a strong impression
8: it's possible with the ipostal 1 virtual mailbox welcome to staples connect a new world of possible with innovative tools for small business and remote workers explore what's new at your local staples store or at StaplesConnect.com. staples connect the working and learning store
1: Time for your small business report presented by Dell Small
0: Business. If you'll be at the office for five hours, only schedule four hours of work. If it's 10 hours, then only eight hours of work because there is always something that comes up last minute that you have to deal with. And if not, you'll have time to catch up on your emails, read up on what's happening in your industry, or dedicate more time to a passion project. But by leaving 20% of your day open, you know that you can confidently take care of those last minute things that come up without scrambling around and worrying how it's going to affect the Workload of the rest of your week. And that's your Dell Small Business Report.
10: What do you get when you talk to a Dell Technologies advisor? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You get someone who understands there's an art to listening, uh-huh. sure. who's able to hear more than what's being said, and can provide tailored mm-hmm. small business solutions that make you feel okay. truly heard.
5: I understand. Let's get started.
10: For advice on everything from laptops to the cloud and solutions powered by Intel vPro platform, call an advisor today at 877-ASK-DELL.
6: Hey, check me out, Rick Tittle, with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show Hollywood veteran Bill Lustig. He's here to talk about how Blue Underground is going to be putting out tomorrow the uh, exclusive limited collector's edition 4K UHD Blu-ray soundtrack CD collectible booklet and 3D lenticular slipcover of the movie. The final countdown, of course, Kirk Douglas, Martin Sheen, James Ferentino. This all happened, of course, on the USS Nimitz. Bill, welcome to the show. What was the uh, the genesis behind uh, redoing this movie and, and uh, putting all the bells and whistles on it like this? Well, um,
12: we've been uh, distributing this. So first, I want to correct you, Rip. Um pushed the release date since the, the, the time that we first communicated. It's now coming out on May 25th, um, but it's available if you want to pre-order it on Amazon and all of your, uh, um, you know, uh, online retailers. It is available to pre-order, but it does okay. come out May 25th. Okay. Anyway, the impetus behind The Final Countdown is it's a great movie. I had seen this film, not in the theater, but I had seen it on HBO and it was one of these very watchable movies that once you started, you know, once you started playing it, you just, you know, you get engaged. It's it's a terrific adventure film. But more importantly, uh, from a military standpoint, I came to learn that the USS Nimitz has a place and uh, has an important role in, in, in the Navy. and um, And also this film... Has um, the fight, uh, the dog fight, against the Japanese, um, and uh, what 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 happened is they actually filmed uh, real planes doing this. Uh, they had the Jolly Rogers uh, group who um, who flew the planes, and they you know they actually shot in the air uh, the dogfight. There's no CGI.
6: Well, I mean, for people who don't remember, you know, we we always think. mm -hmm. Go ahead. No, sorry. I think the the whole thing about how they are in the Nimitz and, you know, here's this nuclear carrier. And then all of a sudden they go through a little wormhole portal, whatever. And now they're right there before Pearl Harbor. So the question is, do they let it happen or do they basically annihilate every zero in, in the sky, and um, it's a it's a it's a great plot just for a movie that way as well. And then you throw in these classic actors, and it's uh, it's pretty cool.
12: Well, you know, with Kirk Douglas, he grounds what is a you know it's a it's an outrageous sci-fi uh, idea of this you know of this uh, ship going back in time. Um, but he pulls it off because he grounds it. He's such a good actor. And they and, and Martin Sheen too. They all they all contribute to this movie being as believable as it can be. And the uh, quandary they have uh, is um, is is quite interesting.
6: Now, uh, for you, your uncle is Jake LaMotta, am I right? Yes, yes. Okay, so how many times when you were growing up in New York did somebody hear about that and then want to fight you? <laughs> thankfully nobody <laughs> Yeah.
12: Well, uh, funny enough my uncle when I was growing up and to all my cousins he used to uh, teach us boxing and um, he would I mean I'm talking like when I was like 4, 5, 6 years old he would, he would be teaching us boxing and um, uh, and what would happen is if we left our guard down he would come around and smack us <laughs> and you know it was like you left your guard down and they, you know you get slapped a couple of times by an ex-middleweight champion of the world uh, <laughs> you may tear up a little bit and god forbid she- you teared up he would be like sissy sissy you know <laughs> <laughs> come on man so
6: I- <laughs> just uh, you know just one more question about jake did uh you know the of course, the iconic black and white Scorsese, *Raging Bull*, De Niro. Uh, is that movie like well-regarded in your family, or are there like things in that movie that you didn't like? Uh, what do you think of it?
12: It's it's actually extremely accurate, except for one thing. Jake never curses.
10: Oh. He's he's
12: never cursed. Now maybe he's cursed when he's been by himself, or maybe there's. You know, been something where he's... But basically, Jake always looked at it like, if you're a man, you don't curse. You just don't. And he's also... he's always was the quietest guy in the room. The least intimidating. Well, I guess he was intimidating. But he was always... You know, he was intimidated just by his look. But he was always the quietest person in the room. He never bragged he never you know looked to start a fight he'd always look to walk away you know he was not mm-hmm. he wasn't a, he wasn't ambitious or or you know at least when i was growing up that's what i would see <laughs> well and for time, you
6: as i said in in uh in hollywood one of my favorite movies of course is army of darkness ash housewares and you did a little as they say a little fake champ in that movie i did and <laughs> Funny enough, I got I got my
12: big my big thing. I got cut out. I was a I was in the film as a monk with a parrot or some bird on my shoulder, and I I was like running around uh, while these zombies were on fire or something following me, and they wound up cutting it out. Maybe I wasn't such a good stunt guy. So when they went to reshoot the ending of the movie, Sam contacts me to come in and uh, and do something. So I'm in the movie. And so I positioned myself um, at this hardware store behind Bruce Campbell, holding a—I think it's a, a broom or a snow shovel. I, I, I did something so I could be identified behind <laughs> behind uh, Bruce. But that
6: was fun. I love those. Guys. And then and then I got to ask you about Uncle Sam because that was uh, that was your baby Isaac Hayes, right? Great man. Great guy.
12: I got to sing Shaft with him. (laughs) And he was my backup. So I was singing Isaac Hayes' part. You know, who's the man who won't cop out? When is danger all about? And he would do Shaft. And I'd go, you darn right. You know, (laughs) that was fun.
4: (laughs) (laughs) Singing Shaft with Isaac
12: Hayes. No, great guy. Just a sweetheart of a guy. You know, dude, I I miss, you know, so many people, when you get older, they pass away. It's just so sad. He wasn't that old. Yeah. You know? Nice guy. Yeah.
6: yeah, no doubt. All right, I want to make sure everybody, as he said, uh, you can pre-order uh, it now. Also at M- yes. MVDShop.com. It'll be out on May 25th. The final countdown. This is the USS Nimitz. Where the hell are we? The 4K Ultra HD Limited edition with a lot of uh, extras in this and audio commentary with the director of photography Victor J. Kemper theatrical trailers, TV spots, posters and still galleries and of course this had the great Ryan O'Neill and the lovely Catherine Ross in it as well. This was pretty star-studded, Bill. Yeah, but
12: most importantly for the military, the Jolly Rogers are interviewed on it and they're the guys who actually flew so they tell you the behind the scenes of the making of the of those uh,
6: uh, fight scenes. Pretty cool. The final okay. countdown, everybody, make sure to pick it up. Bill Lustig has been our guest. Bill, thanks for coming on, man. We really appreciate it. Let's, let's talk movies again sometime soon. I'd love to. You take care. Bye-bye now. All right, thank you. Thank you. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports SportsPilot.
1: That's 800 410 4771 We are the Debt Destroyer Network. Any debt you have, credit card, tax, student loan debt. Call now for free information that helps you destroy your debt. It's great advice. Plus, when you make this free call now, we have Debt Destroyer experts ready to help. They can show you how to destroy your debt and get your life back on track. Eight seven seven three six zero zero four zero two.
0: 360 402 That's 877-360-0402
13: it doesn't really matter i uh i don't like my job and
7: uh i don't think i'm gonna go anymore
14: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
6: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's always great to highlight one of our own, the best of the best, and I love having the American Olympians on, and uh, we're quite happy to have Kathleen Baker with us, already a two-time Olympic medalist, a gold and a silver, back in Rio. She is a, a swimmer, And she's here on behalf of the pharmaceutical company, Eli Lilly. Uh, Kathleen, welcome to the show. You know, I've had Ryan Murphy on a couple of times. What is it about that Cal program and you backstrokers? You guys just, you're the best in the world. What's going on over there?
5: Well, thanks for having me. And I definitely think that Cal Backstroke has a pretty great legacy and I'm happy to have. Um, Ryan is a great teammate. We were roommates uh, my senior year of college. So great friends go back for forever and love being able to represent Team USA together and do awesome in Backstroke events. Um, it's always nice to pull for each other and have a friend um, who's about to compete right behind you because uh, men's events are always after women's. So it's uh, we're always in the ready room overlapping. So it's an exciting thing and definitely a pretty great legacy to keep going.
6: (laughs) That's pretty amazing. Like the the best male and female backstrokers were actually roommates. You know, I asked him, you know, because I grew up on the streets of Telegraph and Durant as a a kid in the 70s and the 80s. And so I asked him how many times, you know, he would get down to top dog or blondies, whatever. And (laughs) He said, uh, you know, you got to live. You got to have a kingpin donut now and then. But he said once he got to the final 100 days, no more hot dogs. He said, I don't know what, what good a hot dog would do for my body. So is that are you kind of ratcheting down now that we're less than three months away, Kathleen?
5: Yeah, definitely for sure. But I am like the biggest top dog fan of like all time. Um, So I definitely have to throw that in there. Um, But definitely with 100 days out, things are getting definitely more serious for me. Um, Whether that's in the pool, out of the pool, mentality wise, like everything is sort of just like up a notch now. Um, But I still think it's so important to like have fun and enjoy yourself. Like, Luckily, I have a really great coach who's like, yeah, have a treat like once a week still like, you know, like you have to live, which I'm so grateful for, um, because you do, you don't need to like live so like strict that you're just like constantly putting that pressure on yourself. You have to be able to like have fun and be a 24 year old and things like that while also training for the Olympics.
6: No, it's awesome. And I would imagine in the recruiting process, because you're from the East Coast, that you know, there were a lot of programs, especially in the Pac-12 that, that wanted you. And for a lot of people, you know, when you go to Cal, it's not like this little, you know, fence around a beautiful campus. You, you, it's a it's a fantastic campus. It's probably the best public university in the country. But, you know, as I said, you're right there on the streets. So for some people, they get a little culture shock, but some people really embrace it. Was that the kind of thing that you just went to Cal on your visit and you're like, yeah, this is my
4: spot?
5: I loved it. And for some reason on my visit, I just was like, oh, it's so beautiful, blah, blah, blah. And I definitely feel like it was a culture shock when I moved in my freshman year. But I loved doing something different than a lot of my peers did um, from North Carolina and experiencing so many different cultures within uh, my school and around me that I feel like I would definitely would not have um, been able to have staying close to home or going to a different school. And I sort of loved like being like the second you walk off of campus, like you're on the streets and you're in the city of Berkeley and things like that. And I like loved all that Berkeley offered. um, And I think that it really gives you a different college experience than most.
6: Well, I'd also think, by the way, we're speaking with Kathleen Baker, Olympic gold and silver medalist. When you went to Rio, there was the whole thing about the Zika and there were some women that were told, look, if you come down here, you might not ever be able to have children. I mean, it was a huge thing. Luckily, everybody turned out okay, knock on wood. But that was a serious thing to have, and even with the guarantees from the USOC and the IOC, look, you're going to be okay. There, you won't get stung by a mosquito. Uh, as a young woman, I'm sure that 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 must have weighed on your mind. What was that like? Was it was it an easy thing to do, or was it hard to say yes to? Did we lose Kathleen? Kathleen? All right, we'll try and reestablish contact there. It sounded like she was on a dodgy Skype line there. Um, but anyway, one 800 a play if you'd want to get in. By the way, when she made the Olympics, she was not supposed to medal because she had never broken the uh, 59 second, which is sort of like the time if you don't have that. I mean, she barely made the Olympic team for the United States. Um, and then she came in at uh, 58.75 and ended up winning a silver. That's the thing, too, about the trials. The trials for me in the
4: Olympics,
6: if you are the best, that was the whole thing with the, the Dan and Dan campaign with Reebok. I mean, we had the world record holder in the decathlon. There had never been a better decathlete in history, and he decided to, at the trials, and Eugene to go ahead and forego... The uh, the lowest rung. Are we trying to get Kathleen back? Are we trying? to? I haven't gotten any, um, so she's just playing gone. Okay. Um, so anyway, as I said, um, uh, we'll try and get her back if we can. But uh, when when you have the world record holder, you shouldn't have to be good that day. Like what? What if you go to the Olympic trials? Yeah, you know, I understand you're an NCA champ or you're the favorite or you're a world champ. But when you literally are the world record holder, what if you have a migraine that day? Or what if you have the flu? What if you have a 102 temperature? And then you're not going to send them, well, oh, I'm sorry, you didn't do of it. But uh, Baker got the uh, gold alongside Lily King, Dana Vollmer, and uh, Simone Manuel in the um, in the 4x100 meter uh, medley. I always like the medley because you go to all the different uh disciplines. But also, you just think about that Cal program, you know, the Missy Franklin and, uh, of course, the, the great Natalie Coglin who's actually from the East Bay, and uh, Matt Biondi, and uh, the list goes on and on. And then if I think the second best swimming program, you'd probably have to think Stanford uh, as well. And, uh, oh, do we have you uh, back, Kathleen? Kathleen, are you back? <laughs> you know, she's, <laughs> she's literally 10 minutes from my house. I <laughs> she just pick up this cell phone. This whole thing, <laughs> it's just Skype. I, I actually probably could have just driven over to her dorm and <laughs> interviewed her there. But the whole thing about her and Ryan Murphy being uh, roommates, um, when I had Joe Maurer on the show, He said that uh, he and uh, Justin Morneau were roommates when they were with the Twins, and they were both, uh, you know, American League MVPs. Kathleen, are you there?
5: Hi, yes, I'm here.
6: Oh, hi. We only have you uh, for a couple more minutes. Tell us um, what's going on with uh, Eli Lilly and their sponsorship of the American uh, Olympic team.
5: Well, I'm so excited to be a part of Team Lily and I'm so excited that Team Lilly is a part of Team USA. Um, it's great to be alongside so many other athletes whose um, daily lives are impacted significantly um, by different health medicine or health conditions that Eli Lilly helps treat. And I'm excited to have this partnership and to be a part of it with my mom who suffers from a migraine and just be able to share our story and um, hopes that inspires other people to get the best care that they can to be their best daily.
6: Last question, of course, I guess your mom can't go. Are you I mean, you just have to get on with it. But uh, let's just hope the Olympics happen. They've already been pushed back a year. But are you like mentally geared up to have no fans in person?
5: Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that that is going to be an adjustment, um, not having the fans and not having my family there, for one. But for me, um, representing Team USA and walking out into a stadium for an Olympic final where you're trying to win an Olympic medal um, has enough pressure and excitement associated with. And I'm so in my head in that moment that I don't even hear what's going on around me. And I think that so many people are worried about the fans. And I think it's going to be surprising for people to realize how much it's going to feel the same as a normal olympics just because that internal pressure is still going to be there
6: well best of luck in tokyo as i said i hope everything goes off uh well i know they're going through a little bit of a shutdown to make things make sure things get cleaned up before they uh, start but uh you know as an american we see that flag go up we're all up there on the podium with you so uh, best of luck and thanks for coming on the show today kathleen
5: thank you
6: okay that's kathleen baker dominic thanks for getting her back on the line uh the olympic gold and silver medalist and uh you know going down to rio at 19 years old and coming back with some medals <laughs> it's just so cool to uh, say oh yeah here's this you're 19 you're already an olympic gold medalist if you pass away at age 99 your obituary will say olympic gold medalist they can never take that away from you or can they I'm Rick Tittle, Ben Johnson. Come on back.
15: Right now at O'Reilly Auto Parts, pick up five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil for $28.95 and get a $10 O'Reilly gift card after mail-in rebate. You can even order at O'ReillyAuto.com and we'll deliver it curbside. Protect your engine from sludge and wear at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day.
4: Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.
16: That's R-E-X-M-D dot com.
14: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
6: All right, uh, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. We have three gentlemen that are joining us right now. They are all uh, alums of Brown University and the Brown Bear football program. And we're not here to talk about Emma Watson or Brooke Shields. (laughs) We're here to talk about uh, Hot Rod Charlie, who is uh, in the top five in odds-making right now for the Kentucky Derby. And uh, these three guys, along with two other former teammates, own this horse. Um, We have Patrick O'Neill, Dan Giovacchini, and Alex Kweiser. Am I saying that right, Alex? You are.
17: That's uh, excellent work there, Rick.
6: Thank you very much. Patrick, let's start with you. I guess it was you that kind of had the hookup with your uncle, right? How did this all start?
3: Yeah, Rick. So, first and foremost, pleasure for having us on. Uh, Certainly an amazing opportunity to be on the call. But uh, certainly uh, it's been a family business for, you know, myself and certainly my uncles. My uncle, fortunately, uh, started from the very bottom in horse racing and is, you know, the Doug O'Neill, we know him today, who's won, you know, the 2012 Kentucky Derby and the 2016 Kentucky Derby. It's a running joke in our family that I was, you know, born in pretty much the stables, and, uh, you know, over time, you know, I've gotten more and more into it. And just a blessing to bring my friends into it, my best friends from college into it. And now it's both a family and a friend affair.
6: Now, Dan, I'm not asking you this because you have an Italian surname, but as someone from uh, who's from the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm, I always hear that Providence has big mob ties. Is that, is that just Hollywood or is that real? Well,
18: uh depends who you ask, but... Um, <laughs> I I would say uh yeah, no, there's there's great Italian restaurants. There's there's definitely a uh influence there and, and stories that we would tell going to school there where um you know you, you could sort of feel maybe uh a, a presence of that type. But uh, uh no no comment on uh on activity <laughs> in the Bacchini Mafia there today. <laughs>
6: All right, uh, thanks for rolling with me on that one. Alex, so what happens? uh, Is it Patrick that comes to you and he's like, look, we're going to need at least 100K. Can I count on you for 20? I mean, how did this go down?
17: Yeah, so it was, uh, you know, kind of happened upon us pretty quickly where uh, a few of us, there was a critical mass of people who were like, you know, why not us go into this? Like, it seems like a lot of fun. You know, it it could be a really fun thing that brings us all together. And I was kind of the loudest dissenting opinion in the room. Like, well, I can think of a hundred thousand reasons why not. Like, this this doesn't, from a dollars and cents point of view, make a ton of sense. that really add up. But then, you know, we as a group really evaluated our priorities, our friendship. Uh, the, the thing that we value most is just experiences that we're sharing together and stories that we can tell and, and things we can do with our friends and family and, and get them involved as well. So, um, you know, when when it all came down to it, it was it was kind of a no-brainer to take this as an opportunity where we had a little bit of an inside track with Doug and Dennis O'Neill, Team O'Neill, with their success. And, uh, and the, the finances of it all worked out, fortunately, for all of us. But it was, um, you know, it, it wasn't necessarily a – Thumbs up from everybody from the get-go, but it, it was the decision that we wanted to make based on what we prioritize most, which is fun and, and, and valuable life experiences.
6: Very interesting. Alex, when I think about the football program there, well, really all sports at Brown, because we know about the Harvard and Yale rivalry and Princeton and all that, but for Brown, is it Dartmouth? Is it Cornell? Is it Columbia? Who, who's your big Ivy League rival?
17: Oh, so it's us against the world. we we feel like the the little brother of the group. Um, yeah, we we out punch our weight class, or we do our best to, And uh, it doesn't matter who's in the ring with us. We're gonna we're gonna try to do our best to to meet the competition, or in some cases in the Ivy League, play down to the competition. But we, uh, you know, we it was us against the world.
6: Very good. Dan, tell us a little bit about Boat Racing LLC, and is that from the term getting boat raced? Uh, wh- where did this all come together?
18: Yeah, that's certainly one way to think about it. So we we all played a, a game together, uh, a, a basically a beer-chugging game together in school uh, called, um, uh, it's it basically called, you know, boat race, um, competing in the boat race and uh and yeah you know it just kind of tied into the to the reason we started this which is adventure competing together you know trying to keep the good times going um and so you know we didn't think we'd be explaining that that name uh to the world a week before the Kentucky Derby but um but in a way we love it because it, it reminds us how we got started
6: uh we're speaking with Dan Giovacchini, Patrick O'Neill and Alex Coyser they are the owners of Hot Rod Charlie So, Patrick, when you get into the game, you know, I think about people who train and train their whole lives and they they don't even sniff uh, any of the Triple Crown. Uh, Is there a lot of maybe resentment like, ah, here's these these rich kids coming in. They don't know what they're doing. I mean, do you kind of get a little pushback like that?
3: Yeah, certainly we're cognizant of that, Rick. Uh, You know, certainly having your third horse be a Kentucky Derby entrant is – you know, these guys, you know, come from values money, or, you know, they didn't work for this. But I think as we talk to people like yourselves, or kind of, you know, do more media, I think hopefully people will slowly realize that, you know, we're just like the rest of everybody. And, you know, again, Dan said it, right, both racing is something that, you know, both, uh, you know, anybody at the end of the bar, the CEO on the left side of the bar, or the drunk at the right side of the bar can do. And that's kind of what we want to keep our Uh, vision of who boat racing is and it's something that we're going to do you know today tomorrow yesterday it's something that certainly represents who we are
6: yeah and i think about it too um alex i mean if you think about the heisman trophy of course john heisman went to brown and and he not only coached football he coached baseball he coached basketball he was a sports writer he was an actor you guys don't have to get pigeonholed if you want to be horse guys you can be horse guys right
17: Yeah, I agree with that. I think that there are barriers to entry in horse racing, and it does get an impression of elitism and classism. Um, But I think that there are certainly growing avenues of uh, joint horse ownership and, and other enterprises that are available for people that have some skin in the game without having to make, you know, seven, eight figures, which it seems the majority of people in this industry do, but the people in boat racing do not by a large margin. So I think that we, um, you know, we represent a class of people who are just excited, young, starry-eyed folks who, you know, have been very fortunate in, in very early stage of our ownership, or are very grateful for the platform that we have, and um, you know, we really hope that we can grow the sport because it's something that we're all enamored with, that we've come to love, and I think that many people our age or younger Uh, in kind of a similar means to us could really get a lot out of.
6: Alex, I played uh, Division II football in the 80s for St. Mary's College. It was uh, out here in California. We had a very, very small stadium. Not that much smaller than Brown Stadium. But to me, I just think about, especially if you're sitting in the big stand, that view out, and of course you got eight lanes of track there as well. But I mean, that that's like a 100-year-old stadium. I mean, there's so much history that comes through playing in a place like that. It
17: does. Um, In full transparency of the five boat racers, I stepped on the field far less than any of the other four guys. They were really stellar athletes. Uh, I was a four-year member of the team, but uh, a little bit of a scrub, if I have to say so myself. But But a lot of great athletes have stepped on that field, have run on that track. There's a lot of history there, both in in the football athletic realms, but also as an academic institution as well. Um, You know, we were all very blessed to have the opportunity to go to school there, to graduate, and to play for a really great program, and through which we've made the best friends we'll ever make. And shared experiences that that no one on the outside could really ever understand. And, and we're very fortunate that our our peer group of friends, not just us five at Bo Racing, but you know the thirty guys who were on the football team and who joined the same fraternity as us, and those that came before us, those that came after us, um, we're really fortunate that that all of us kind of uh, band together well, stay in close contact, and have continued to develop and and cultivate the relationships that we formed on college shell at brown
6: very well said so dan hot rod charlie tell us a little bit more about the horse i know that a horse usually gets its name from you know the the sire and they kind of match it all together how did hot rod charlie get the name and uh how are you feeling are you starting to get butterflies here uh
18: butterflies definitely um i don't know what comes after cloud nine though if it's cloud 10 or cloud 100 but we're just so excited to you know be able to be in kentucky and and you know um be even in the derby so uh you know first time for for all four of us besides patrick um so we're just grateful and blessed to be here but but yeah certainly some butterflies just because
4: because hey
18: there's a shot um and then yeah, on on uh, on Hot Rod Charlie. So you, you got it right. Uh, naming does come from uh, uh, you know the the lineage, if you will. And uh, Hot Rod Charlie's um, uh, mother, if you will, was Indian Miss, and uh, the sire of Indian Miss was Indian Charlie. So the name really came. Um, the Charlie part came from from Indian Charlie, and then uh, Hot Rod was a. Uh, a fun way to, to spice it up a little bit and, and you know we have great partners in this horse too and um, and you know actually one of the other partners outside of boat racing came up with with the, uh, the hot rod part.
3: Rick us idiots certainly have cool. some, some dumb ads certainly and uh, thank god for our partners who said no I think hot rod charlie's the name because we certainly love it now.
6: Last question for you, Patrick. Is this a one-off for you guys, and you'll look back and think, oh, that was a great, you know, summer, or is this maybe, you know, keep the ball rolling and, you know, come back every year?
3: Great question, Rick. I think for us, we want to make boat racing, you know, a thing in horse racing and maybe outside of it, who knows, in business going forward. You certainly, you know, business is something that we all do, Uh, day in and day out in boat racing right now is what we do as a second job but you know how cool would it be to say I work day in day day out with my best friends right and so last week we actually uh, doubled down and we had a couple new horses coming into the boat racing stables and hopefully Rick we're talking to you and all the fans out there in uh, May of 22.
6: There they are, Patrick O'Neill, Alex Koiser and Dan Vicchini from Brown, and now with Boat Racing, LLC. Check it out there at Churchill Downs. Hot Rod Charlie. I'll be rooting for you guys. Thanks for coming on, gentlemen. Congratulations, and have fun.
18: Love it. Thank you so much.
6: All right, good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Come on back on SportsPilot.
1: Again, that's 800-449-1759.
14: ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now back to Fat Boy.
6: Oh, my gosh. We just have a couple of minutes here. And, you know, I saw this mock draft that said uh, just just right now, coming from Jonathan Jones of CBS, he says the Bears will take uh, Justin Fields. And I thought, ooh, where does he have that potential trade? And he's like, uh, no, they're not trading. They'll just pick him at 14. What? Uh, Dominic Jimenez, lifelong Niner fan, are you on with me? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Sorry to bug you. If the Niners draft, uh, they trade up to three, no first-round picks next two years. If they draft Mac Jones, what will you do?
8: I'm going to cry into my hat and my shirt, and I'm going to pray that Kyle Shanahan finally got it right with the quarterback because he kind of hasn't yet. But, yeah, I'm going to be sad. I'm going to hope for the best because, hey, he's my team's new quarterback. I'm going to hope he's great. I'm not going to root against him. But, yeah, I'd rather him not be my team's future quarterback. So... I like the
6: fact that you're going to do fingers crossed. And I kind of did that with Darius Hayward Bay. Like, maybe Al knows what he's doing. And, of course, deep down, I knew I was wrong. Deep down, do you know it's going to be a disaster that's going to set the Niners back five years if they do draft him?
8: Yeah, but I I don't necessarily want to... I, I, again, like you said, I'm just gonna cross my fingers. I don't think it's gonna be good. The dude doesn't look like he can do much of anything. But he was the most accurate passer in the history of NCAA football ever last season, and he was in a tough conference. So I got to give him the benefit of the doubt that he had a great last year. He was better than two with the year before. So uh, I don't know.
6: All right, thanks, Dominic, for jumping on. Now, then again, whose record did he break? Dwayne Haskins. Hey, I ain't got nothing against the Niners. I just think that would be a disaster. An unmitigated disaster, darling. We have another hour together. Come on back.
4: SA Radio
19: News with Lance Pry.
15: Police reform will be front and center this week in Washington. Republican Senator from South Carolina Lindsey Graham says police reform was blocked by Democrats under President Trump.
13: We'd have police reform in the last Congress, but Chuck Schumer and Kamala Harris
1: made a conscious effort to block bringing up Tim Scott's reform bill. They filibustered Tim Scott's bill because they didn't want Tim Scott and President Trump to get credit for it. There's no reason we shouldn't have done it last time. We'll try again.
15: A new poll revealed three times as many Americans say security at the U.S.-Mexico border is worse under President Biden than it was under President Trump. The administration continues to blame President Trump for the crisis at the border.
4: Part
11: of the problem is that under the previous administration they pulled out essentially a lot of what had been the continuum of work and it, it, it essentially came to a standstill.
15: Kamal Harris on CNN. This is USA Radio News.
13: and start saving. Here it is. Call 833-34-BIBLE. That's 833 bible 833 bible
15: Customs and Border Protection officers seized more than $4 million worth of methamphetamine at the Far Reynosa International Bridge on April 17th. CBP officers examined a tractor-trailer hauling fresh cucumber pickles into Texas and found it was hiding 114 packages of alleged methamphetamine weighing 217 pounds. Iraq's Prime Minister Mustafa announced Sunday an urgent investigation into a fire at a hospital in southeastern Baghdad that killed at least 82 people and wounded 110 others on Saturday. The hospital provides care for severe COVID-19 patients. The United States has taken a hands-off approach to regulating self-driving cars, hoping to help the market thrive. But is that the best policy by the feds? The U.S. Auto Safety Agency is investigating 28 crashes of Tesla vehicles. And with no clear rules or accountability, these incidents risk undermining public confidence in a technology that's supposed to help the U.S. keep its global competitive edge. USA Radio News.
7: Hi, this is Wyatt Cox. Each and every day, the USA Radio Network produces three hours of the greatest radio programs of all time. Comedies, drama, suspense, it's all there. Classic radio theater. Now, if your radio station doesn't carry the program, you can find them anywhere podcasts are served, including iHeartRadio, Spotify, Spreaker. Just search for USA Classic Radio Theater. Find it. USA Classic Radio Theater. You'll love
15: it. Facing a record number of mass shootings since taking office, the Biden administration wants more gun control to combat the issue. Jeremy Scott from the Oregon USA Radio News Bureau reports.
8: With more than 130 mass shootings in the U.S. since President Joe Biden has taken office, Vice President Kamala Harris says the administration is limited on what it can do on gun control. We
11: have to codify, that's a fancy word, for make permanent, make the law that we agree we should have background checks that's just reasonable gun safety laws we should have an assault weapons ban assault weapons have been designed to kill a lot of people quickly they are weapons of war and and congress has to act
8: harris telling cnn state of the union that there's only so much the president can do through executive order but something must be done the national rifle association will spend
15: two million dollars to push back on president joe biden's gun control campaign. The CDC has new guidelines for kids at camp. Dan Naraki with the Ohio USA Radio News Bureau has more.
0: The CDC has issued new guidance that could see kids returning to a summer pastime, heading off to camp. The new recommendations released on Saturday say children should stay three feet apart from each other as much as possible, with the adult members of staff keeping six feet away. They're also being encouraged to get vaccinated. Camp activities should be outdoors as much as possible, and masks are still recommended indoors for those who can wear them. From the USA Radio News Ohio Bureau. I'm Dan Naraki.
15: Thanks for listening. We are USA Radio News.
16: I don't even recognize myself anymore.
14: I'm really worried about him. His addiction. I haven't seen him like this. Ever.
16: Hey, look, I I never wanted to start using. I I knew the drill, but I was out of options. I, I just want to tell him... Call
1: Quit Drugs 321 now at 800-338-6906. 800-338-6906. That's 800-338-6906. Paid for by the Detox and Treatment Helpline.
2: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
3: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh, my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a
5: pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle biznatch.
6: Thank you for that. Welcome back to Hour 3. I just have uh, one guest in the first segment. Otherwise, we'll have open lines the rest of the way. 1-800-878-PLAY. You know, speaking with Patrick and Alex and Dan from Brown, and they say, how great is it to work with your best friends and teammates frat brothers? They always say never work with your friends because money will come back and bite you. But that's not always entirely true. Kruk and Kype always say I get to work with my best friend I remember years ago Kruko had this line he said uh, because of uh, Dwayne Kuyper he said I always uh, I always carry around a tennis ball when I'm with Dwayne and we'll be at an airport and I'll just roll it down the uh, <laughs> roll it on the floor at the airport and he'll go chase it down because he's an infielder and he can't help himself he has to field a ground ball at all times yeah Oh, but five guys? Hey, man, I didn't get enough out of my investment. But that is pretty Ivy League to not just, like, going on a horse, but to form an LLC. There's a reason why these guys uh, are 4.0s. <clears throat> but anyway, best of luck to them. I, you know, um, I'll be rooting for Hot Rod Charlie. Why not? one 800 878 L A Y. You ain't got no alibi, you ugly um we're all other ways of listening to the show if you're not buying an affiliate is through our homepage at sportsbyline.com click listen live if you want to bring emails rick at sportsbyland.com. on your phone TuneIn radio is pretty good iHeartRadio radio is pretty good stitcher is pretty good we also get podcasts here and there <clears throat> you know i say i always uh think it's funny when i see these uh places that say listen to rick Tittle. There's some company that call, that's called the Podcast App. It says, listen to Rick Tittle by Rick Tittle in the Podcast App. Oh, there we go. I don't even know what the hell that is, but I guess I'm in there as well. Also, uh, Tittle Eddie Sports with Rick Tittle on Facebook, uh, CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable radio network channel 2. The Twitter is at Rick Tittle. And the open lines, 1 800 878 752. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on, bud.
13: sales.
6: Hey, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show, Hour 3 Underway, coast-to-coast and around the world on American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome to the show Luke Yankee, and he is here to talk about uh, uh, how his play, Marilyn, Mom, and Me, will be available on YouTube starting tomorrow at uh, 5 p.m., and it will run until uh, May 1st. Luke, welcome to the show, and I know it's a interesting story. Your mom was Eileen Heckard, and she worked with Marilyn Monroe on Bus Stop, and you'd normally think, well, you'd get an anecdote or two out of such a thing, but you were able to build an entire play out of this, so there was much more than just an anecdote or two with this friendship, was there?
10: Absolutely, Rick. And so, as you said, my mother played Marilyn Monroe's best friend in the <laughs> film, A Bus Stop, and Marilyn had spent the uh, the year before in New York at the Actors Studio, becoming the epitome of the method actress, which means that you, know, you had to feel everything organically. And because of that, Rick, um, she, since my mother was playing her best friend, Marilyn was determined to make my mother her best friend. And so, you know, this Broadway actress is like, oh, who's this starlet who's sort of glomming on to me and won't leave me alone? And yet, through the course of that, they developed this very, very strong bond to the point where, to the day my mother died, she could never talk about Marilyn Monroe without bursting into tears. So I did a lot of research on Marilyn and, and came up with a, a, learned a lot about their relationship. And of course, my mother shared a lot of incredible stories with me over the years. And so it's really this play about these two very unlikely women who bonded uh, through both being adopted, never really feeling like they were entirely wanted, even with all that they achieved, and ultimately how this very complex relationship affected my relationship with my mother. And so it's a very deeply personal mother-son story, in addition to a lot of stories about Marilyn Monroe that no one has ever heard before.
6: Just as an aside, did your mother, how you said she had busted into tears. Did she have her views about what happened with Marilyn and her demise and whether it truly was suicide or not?
10: Um, you know, she didn't talk about that very much. Of, I, I don't believe that it was a suicide and I don't think she believed that either. There are a lot of different myths and theories about that, but um, I don't think she believed it was a suicide. I'll just leave it at that.
6: Very good. And uh, your mom, did she not get an Oscar? She
10: did. She won an Academy Award for the film Butterflies are Free in 1972. Uh, 1973, rather. And she, uh, she was one of those character actresses that just worked all of the time with some of the biggest stars. I mean, Paul Newman, Betty Davis. Uh, the last film she did was she played Diane Keaton's mother in the first Wives Club. And she had this very husky voice. And it's a name that people might not necessarily recognize, but when they see the picture or hear that very distinctive voice, they're like, oh, of course I know who that is. And um, uh, there are just some incredible stories that she would share with me about Marilyn and about uh, while they were filming together in the stands at the rodeo. And I was actually uh, on the set as a little tiny boy. I I was about two and a half. I, I honestly don't remember <laughs> much of anything about it. But there's some wonderful photographs of my brothers and me uh on the set with Marilyn and Marilyn holding me in her arms.
6: I think with your mom, I would probably think I recognize her the most as a seventies kid from Mary Tyler Moore. And then to make yes. the transition to the Lou Grant show too. I mean that that was pretty cool. Aunt Flo, right? Exactly, exactly. And she played uh, Mary
10: Tyler Moore's Aunt Flo and uh, did several episodes that were very successful. She was nominated for Emmys for two of them. And then, of course, as you said, transitioned into the Lou Grant show. But, you know, Rick, I actually did a, a benefit with uh, Ed Asner a number of years ago as a director. And uh, i never met him, but he knew that I was the son of. And since Lou Grant's character had had an affair with Aunt Flo, um, when I met him, I put out my hand and I said, Ed, it is such a pleasure to meet you. We have the most wonderful photograph in my parents' living room of you French kissing my mother. <laughs> well, he burst into tears and gave me a big bear hug, and we were best, we've been best buds ever since. You could do a play about that. <laughs> Actually, I have a one man show that I do, I've done all over the country called Diva Dish, and a book called. Just outside the spotlight, where I talk a lot about Marilyn and a lot about some of the other celebrities my mother worked with, but uh, in Marilyn, Mom and Me, I'm really focusing on uh, the, you know, her relationship with Marilyn, and um, I'm really proud of the fact that. It has won a number of awards at New Works Festivals, or rather it started to before the pandemic hit, and now they're starting to uh, to resume, starting to pick up again. And in addition to this reading that will be available on YouTube for the next four days, and the reason for that is that I've got some top Broadway actors, and uh, the rules with Actors' Equity for Benefits is that they'll only allow you to post them online for four days. And uh, it's a, a benefit for Broadway Cares, which is a tremendous service organization for people in all aspects of the entertainment industry. And so I'm really thrilled to be getting this play out there to a wider audience and also to be supporting this terrific philanthropic organization that is helping so many actors who literally haven't been able to pay their rent for the past year.
6: What's that like, too, when yeah, you think about all the things that shut down, and so not a lot of people are going to feel sorry for you because everybody has basically suffered, but for the Broadway actors right. and, and even just local actors as well, I mean, the, the, to, to get back up on a stage, if you're lucky enough to do that, it's, it's almost like a little renaissance for you, right?
10: Well, it's true, Rick, and not only that, <coughs> but when you think about the fact that so many Broadway, uh, Broadway chorus people, for instance, their support jobs are working in restaurants. Well, I don't have to tell you what's happened to the restaurant industry in the past year. And uh, uh, it's not, uh, you you think about all the different service organizations as well. I mean, you know, dry cleaners and uh, uh, the local coffee shop where all of the people in show business and all the audience people would come in for a coffee before the show. It's it's quite a trickle-down effect, and of course, it has been one of the hardest-hit industries, not that many others haven't as well, and also it's going to be one of the last to come back because of social distancing and that sort of thing. And while other other organizations are starting to bounce back, that one really isn't yet, and it's, it still could be a while. And so uh, uh, I'm really delighted to be able to help support them in any way I can.
6: Last question for you. You wrote and directed... Um, Marilyn Mom and Me, and of course you're looking at the friendship between Marilyn Monroe and your mother Eileen Heckart, but this really is about you, isn't it? So tell us, what did you, what do you show everyone in this play, and what did you discover about yourself when you started peeling back some of these layers?
10: That's a very complex question, and I'll try to give you a simple answer. It's, um, you know, everyone knows the stories about Marilyn and about how kind of sad she was and how you um, for never feeling wanted, etc. A lot of those stories are kind of legendary. And my mother was so famous for being tough as nails and brass and all of that. And uh, uh, I didn't realize, Rick, until I started really doing this research, how alike these two women were. And that really that neither one of them, as I mentioned earlier, ever felt entirely wanted, ever felt entirely loved. And even with all of them achieved, you know, it's just neither one of them really felt like they deserved a place at the table. So it, it really it taught me a great deal about my mother and my relationship with her and how maybe she wasn't able to give me certain things as a mom as terrific as she was because she didn't know how to give them, because she had never been given them any more than Marilyn had. So it's been quite a journey and quite an exploration. And in the same way that my mother would burst into tears when she talked about Marilyn, I burst into tears when I watched this play. And a lot of audience members do as well.
6: Very cool. Yeah, great reviews. And uh, Rex Reed uh, loved it as well. It's called Marilyn, Mom, and Me. It's available tomorrow night on YouTube. It's going to run for four days. And we've been speaking with the man behind it. Luke Yankee. Luke, congratulations on the project and getting a lot of eyeballs on it. And uh, let's catch up again down the road.
10: Thank you very much, Rick. I'd love that.
6: All right. Good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break. Open lines the rest of the way. Come on back.
9: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than $1,000. If you owe the IRS $5,000 or more in back taxes, call now for a free consultation. Call 800-732-9635.
1: 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635.
19: Hey,
16: travelers, do you want to save money on your next flight? Then pick up the phone and call. That's right
1: That's 855-325-1780.
9: Do you own an annuity, either fixed rate, indexed, or variable? Are you paying high fees and getting low returns? If so, Annuity General would like you to have this free book to learn the pitfalls and mistakes of buying an annuity. The Annuity Do's and Don'ts for Baby Boomers contains the little-known truths about annuities, like how to help reduce your fees and increase retirement income,
1: That's 800-760-1845.
0: I'm just a caveman. Your world frightens and confuses me.
14: (laughs) Rick Tittle wants to hear from you. The phone call is free, y'all. Just dial 1-800-878-PLAY to get yourself on the air right now. Call him up now, lazy ass. 1 800 878
9: PLAY.
8: But I don't think you should be
9: butting in when I'm talking to my team. You're my assistant, okay? You're supposed to back me up and go get me juice boxes when I tell you. Now go get me a juice box. You know who you're talking to. I'm talking to the juice box guy. You're crazy. I'm not crazy. I'm just thirsty. What are you going to hell? So you go to hell. While you're there, why don't you grab me a juice box? I'm no juice box boy, I'll tell you that. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. Yes, you
6: are. No, I'm not. Yes, you are. No, I'm not. All right. already Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Lines are available if you'd like to uh, chime in at 1 800 878 Play. Let's go down to where the stars at night are big and bright. Atlantis, Hastings, Texas. What's going on, Christian? Good afternoon, Rick Piddle.
2: And I should say good afternoon to the rest of the country as well. How are you, sir?
6: What's going on with your stroes? They started off strong, and now they look to be struggling.
2: I don't know, but to be honest, I won't really care up until the late stretch of the season when it really matters because, as we all know, Baseball season is long enough as it is. It's it April,
6: matter. right? Just say it's April, and you're all good. No, it's April.
2: We got 160 <laughs> games between us, and we really shouldn't care about what else goes on up until the sum up until the fall stretches. <laughs> but that's true. Have-
6: but every game you win in, in April is one less you have to win in September, as they say.
2: True, true, true. But aside from that, i got a couple of things to talk about. First of all, for I'm pretty it. sure you probably heard about it by now as it's just reaching across your desk. The NHL just put out a new deal to have their games not only air on ESPN, but to air on the Turner Networks as well. Any thoughts being a former member of the San Jose Sharks Broadcasting
6: well, I, uh, I was not part of the team. I did work those games on the TV side as a technical director. I have not seen that uh, press release, but I think that's fantastic because before the lockout, uh, they were on ESPN, and then mm-hmm. they were on Sports Channel before that. I remember in 1990 doing the Stanley Cup Finals, and the only place you could watch it was Sports Channel America, believe it or not. But um, they... Um, they were on ESPN, and then after the lockout, because during the lockout they started showing blackjack and poker, and so they couldn't get back on. So they had to go to the Outdoor Life Network, which turned into Verses, which turned into Sonnets, which turned into NBC Sports Network. So hockey has been getting a lot of the, uh, the short shrift, but if you think about Turner and their relationship with the NBA, I think that's fantastic news for the hockey people out there.
2: True, true, and considering that everything that they've done, with the exception of <coughs> Champions League soccer, has been a success, you know, hopefully NHL fans who want to see that same treatment that Turner Sports has been giving those boys, except soccer, <laughs> you know, that goes sure. in touch. Sure.
6: <laughs> Let's, that sounds good to
4: me.
2: hmm And another thing I wanted to ask you, is what are your thoughts about this whole Jake Paul, Daniel Cormier thing that happened over the weekend? I don't know if you care to watch the Jake Paul versus Ben Askren fight from a couple of weekends ago, but it seems like now Jake Paul is all hot you-know-what, and he wants everybody to hear about it.
6: Well, I still – I don't know – I guess Jake Paul's a a skateboarder or a YouTube star or something, but the thing that my friend showed me, all I saw of that fight you mentioned was that Michael Buffer said, he called him Ask You, and then the fighter screamed in his ear the correct pronunciation of his name, and I thought, as a, whatever Michael Buffer was getting paid, and I'm sure it's a lot, you gotta get the names of the fighters right. So right then, (laughs) it just seemed lame, but uh, who is Jake Paul again? He's a, is he a skateboarder or something? And now he's a boxer?
2: No, um, he's actually a YouTuber and a former Disney actor turned boxer.
6: Oh, wow. So Corey Haim wasn't available?
2: <laughs> nope.
6: Oh, wait, did he die? Corey Feldman, I think I'm thinking of.
2: Um, yeah, you're probably thinking of Feldman, but still. <laughs> The point of the matter is, he was all up in Daniel Cormier's face this past weekend in Jacksonville. And obviously, Cormier is in his right mind to say, I don't want to fight this guy. He's below, well, he's not below me, but it would dilute me, basically.
6: Now, you got to remind me who uh, Daniel Cormier is.
2: Former Olympic alternate wrestler former Strikeforce Force Grand Prix champ, two-time UFC champion in the lightweight Oh U- head All right, TV.
6: UFC. I have heard the name, but I I'm not going to pretend I know who he is. So he's a UFC guy. Yeah,
2: basically.
6: I'm going to find and out I'm, a- I'm going to find a- out later that he's been in studio with me, the way my CTE works, but I know I've heard the name. Okay, so he's a legit UFC fighter and he you said that they got into a heated exchange or something? Yep
2: exactly but it didn't really last long because you know security was basically stopping it from escalating too far
6: but uh, it, it might have been staged but i mean how sad and this is just me you might love it so no offense but how sad are we with with uh combat sports that you have youtube reality stars that are starting fights i mean this This just seems like you know, TikTok should be running the fight commission on this stuff.
20: (laughs) Well,
2: it's not TikTok, but it's close. It's actually a (laughs) you know, rival brand that just bought out a major fight streaming promotion called, ironically enough, F I T E. They're the ones Mm. running these crazy fights. But still I get what you mean. It is pretty sad that these YouTubers are trying to Make money while established boxers, with the exception of one of the guys that competed on the Paul Askren card in the co-main event. <laughs> I think he made like close to a million that night. But still, it's sad. Wait, that
6: these youth- wait, which one's the fighter? Jake Paul or Log- is Logan Paul his brother?
2: Yeah, both of them are boxers.
6: But All right. Still, See, I know like, I know I sound like I'm a hundred years old, but I just you I just 100? typed this in as you were talking. Here's the quote of Jake Paul on Logan Paul's podcast, which is called Impulsive. He said, oh. I'll beat the F out of your fat A too, just like Stipe did <laughs> Cleveland S. I swear to God, I'll beat the F out of Daniel Cormier. And Cormier Um, said, this dude would never fight me. I would kill him. Why would I ever fight someone like that? Well, the answer is, Christian, if there's a big payday. And, you know, when they had McGregor fighting Mayweather, which made no sense, they did Uh that because of the big payday. But didn't I see Dana White, he doesn't want anything to do with these YouTubers, or am I wrong? Yeah, you're pretty much
2: right. He said I'm all, he pretty much said something to the extent of I'm all for these YouTubers making money. Just don't bring that nonsense here. And like I was saying, it was it's sad that these YouTubers are making money, whereas these established boxers who've worked for like 10, 15 years down the line, with the exception of one of the guys in the co-main event of that Paul versus Aspen fight two sad days ago, They're the ones fighting for Trump change.
6: (laughs) By the way, do you care about Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko? Do you care about women fighting each other in UFC?
2: Yes, I do care about Amanda Nunes and Valentina Shevchenko, even though those two have fought before multiple Mm -hmm. times.
6: No, I just looked it up because it says... And by the way, I know you think that... And this is why I say all topics are welcome. I'm learning... You know a million times more than I do at this. Uh, Dana White said that the trilogy is not happening. So apparently they fought each other twice before. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. They have.
6: So, I mean, as a true fight fan, are you... Do you think it's ridiculous that a YouTube star is getting hype when there probably is a legit fighter that is disciplined? Or do you think, hey... Uh, whoever can bring it, line the guy up, and I don't really care what his background or his training is.
2: Hmm. Let's just say it's so ridiculous that if I even say what it really is, y'all might kick me off the line. But still, point of the <laughs> matter is it's just crazy to see how these YouTubers are taking advantage of boxing. But, hey, if they making money, if they're bringing eyeballs to the screens, if they're bringing ears the press then by all means go for it
6: you give uh give pedro fernandez a call ring talk worldwide Uh, i bet you i want to see what his take is but christian thanks for the call man i appreciate it
2: hey thanks for having me on i will promise to call pedro a saturday or sunday or two and i will talk to you on social media at rich Tiddle.
6: thanks a lot christian yeah it's been a while since i had pedro on the show He'll probably say, Well, when Jake Paul and I were in Vegas together, he knows everybody. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
11: And now, today's cleaning tip from Tub-O-Towels heavy duty cleaning wipes. Most people are disinfecting more frequently these days, but did you know there's a difference between disinfecting and cleaning cleaning is the first step before disinfecting and is needed on a regular basis to remove germs dirt and dust from surfaces plus keeping a clean surface helps minimize the growth of future germs and now a word from tuba Tub.
4: oh, towels Tub.
19: Oh, at Tubba Towels, we started with the toughest messes and quickly realized Tubba Towels heavy duty cleaning wipes can clean just about anything like stubborn brake dust, spilled paint, even permanent marker. There's literally thousands of uses. Proudly made in the USA with over 30,000 five star reviews. Find Tubba Towels heavy duty cleaning wipes at your local auto parts store, the Home Depot, Lowe's, and more. Look for the big yellow tub.
1: an abnormal brain into a a seven-and-a-half-foot long, 54-inch-wide gorilla! Is that what you're telling me?
14: This is the only sports talk show that features a Rhodes Scholar, but he ain't here today. Now, back to Rick
7: Tittles.
6: Oh, Welcome back to the show, and uh, lines are available at 1-800-878-PLAY. <clears throat> the uh, Colorado Rockies announced today that their GM, Jeff Bridich is leaving. Mutually agreed that he would step down. By the way, the way they try to massage these semantics sometimes, there, there's not one person in the world that wants to fire themselves as a general manager. I mean, yes, there's probably a case here and there in the history of baseball, <clears throat> but you don't want to mutually leave. You know, it's like Harbaugh with the Niners. We, we just mutually agree that... Uh, yeah, sure. Who wants to be a head coach in the NFL? That sucks. It's a lame job. But anyway, he's out. And he was in his seventh year with the Rocks. And uh, not great. Uh, two postseason appearances, lost the wild card game to the Diamondbacks four years ago. And then three years ago, they beat the Cubs in a wild card game, but then got swept by the Brew crew. Uh, Two 90-loss seasons as well, but um, you think about the free agents uh, that he signed. Did not go well. The most infamous one probably be Ian Desmond, $70 million, $100 million on Wade Davis, Jake McGee, and Brian Shaw. But um, it had to be uh, the criticism he got for how he handled Nolan Arenado. You know, it was British who insisted on an opt-out clause and the long-term extension, and then it got sour, and then he traded him to the Cardinals, and it's hard to spin that in any positive way. Um, and uh, it was uh, it was a disaster. So he's out. All right, let's go to the phone lines, and we have Charlie in New York City. How you doing, Charlie?
20: Um. Did you ever get a chance to see that letter from Cavill to the Oakland A's fans about the financial offer to the city of Oakland? About um, the A's? I didn't get to I,
6: I, I it, it took a day. I didn't get to see the letter, but I did get to see um, what they threw out there. And it was the the points. It was uh, finance, $1 billion, in uh, the architecture of the uh, the... Yeah, uh, earmarked yeah, $450 million for community benefits. Um, and then it said yeah. uh, over 6,000 permanent new jobs, affordable housing, cleaner air quality, 18 acres of new parks and open space. And the
20: ballpark project right. will bring yeah. approximately $955 to the city of Oakland's general fund. Yeah, I have it in front of me. So I just. Yeah. Is, so you, yeah, you got to the it. The general fund, right so uh what do you admit, what's your make of that? Is that basically them sort of putting pressure on the city of Oakland just to uh like do something or is it because it's the, I don't know how the city or the mayor uh,
6: uh reacted I, so it was, the mayor it was just... The mayor came out in support of it which which was important but the thing to remember is that the there are a lot of people who feel uh, first of all, they're just not fans of sports. They're not fans of uh, of fans. and right. they still feel they got screwed by the Raider deal in Mount Davis. They had to go to court to get the Warriors to pay up, which they did. So a lot of them just think this the 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 city would be much better off without sports, and that's because they're very, very, very stupid. So, yeah. This is a so, dumb place this is a really dumb place to put a stadium if you ask me if they're going to if they're going to leave, they have to approve it so I hopefully that these people will realize what's best for the city
10: so uh, if you had to look
20: into your crystal ball five ten years from now, do you envision the A's being still the Oakland A's or will they be the Las Vegas or Portland or uh, Idaho Falls A's <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
6: Uh, I actually like Idaho Falls. Um, I would say that um, I think they'll be the Oakland A's, and I think they'll be playing at the Coliseum. To tell you the truth, Major League Baseball does not want to lose them, but they certainly don't want them in Portland, which is a nothing market as far as people go. Uh, the one thing that does scare me though is Las Vegas because yeah, because they're uh, they're, yeah, yeah, and it's not just because their AAA team is there, but you know now that hockey sort of was the gateway drug to the Raiders. Um, You know, all you need is for the city council to vote this out. And then the governor of Nevada said, hey, we'll build it for you. And the next thing you know, they're gone. But I know Major League Baseball would like them to stay. Yeah, Yeah, they would like them to stay here. But I I, I have no idea because it's I've, I've already watched two of my teams walk out one for the second time. So who knows?
20: No, I, I yeah no. Yeah, listen, I'm a fan
6: from three thousand miles away,
20: but I, I, it upsets me
6: just 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 because.
20: Um, but but, with, but why why do, when you say the uh, the uh, baseball doesn't want the A's to leave that market? Why, why wouldn't they want them uh, a team say B in Vegas or wherever else? Like, why wouldn't they wouldn't they want <laughs> to broaden or expand? Uh, like the team in Carolina, baseball team in Carolina. I heard that rumor. Uh, not necessarily the A's, but like uh, whether it was through expansion. But why? Why would? Why do you? Why do you say that uh, baseball wouldn't want to split up uh, the Bay Area? Uh, just uh, well, that that's expansion. why I said the
6: thing that the, the thing that scares me is the Vegas thing because when mom when Rob Manfred was saying all that, you know, all we had was this rumor of a hockey team. Um, uh, the Bay Area you know, has 7 million people, and uh, then you talk about everybody from the Sacramento area on down. I mean, it's a, it's a huge area, and they still would rather have all those fans. But the whole thing with Vegas, as I said, that's the scary thing because Vegas is expanding so rapidly right now that they might revisit that and say, you know what, now that we think about it, maybe it would be better to expand to Las Vegas but I mean Las Vegas uh, as you probably know is all by itself I mean you can throw in Henderson or whatever and and the Hoover Dam but there's no metropolitan area there so no yeah so the, the 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 numbers would still be way lower than they would get if they stayed in Northern California but there could be a frustration level and that would be from management so if you had the ownership group of the Oakland A's saying, look, we're tired of this. We've been doing this for 30 years. Let's. Can you just let us go to Vegas? And if they start crying about that enough, it could happen. Right. But as for now, the A's are still saying, Oh, rooted in Oakland. This is our town, blah, blah, blah. So we'll it's, see it's, if
20: it's cheap. Yeah, no, and, and despite the cheapness of the management and ownership, <laughs> they, they're still putting out a, a winning product, you know, with duct tape and Vaseline and whatever else, they still, you know, over the, as much of the criticism that I throw on Billy Bean, they, they're they in the, they're for the most part competitive. And they're, they put on a winning product. And it's just a shame that, that this, you know, can't be resolved for that team because, you know, listen, I'm the first one to knock this team, but they, they you know, they just won 13 games in a row. I mean, come on. Let's,
6: right. Well, for Any, me, I, I mean, I, what I would have done is I would have just fixed up the Coliseum, the Col- and the Coliseum, they do yeah. basically own that place now, and that's what I would do. I, w- I would, in fact, do what a lot like what they did with uh, Comiskey Park, what they did with Yankee Stadium, is play yeah. in that stadium while you build the, the new one. Next door, they could start doing construction in the south parking lot and build an entirely new stadium, and then just play in the Coliseum the whole time, and then just tear that down and make that the parking lot, like they and, did and in but, these other cities. That's what I would have done.
20: But they don't want to use that location. Why? Because they can't put stores there, or or other. Like, is it because it's like as opposed to Howard Terminal? Because it's that's in the city of Oakland. I don't know where Howard Terminal is. Yeah. No, it's, uh, it's
6: it's because it's it's not a great area of town. There's no restaurants. Okay. Um, it's, it's mostly, you know, warehouses and train tracks, and it's part of East Oakland. So, you know, if you leave the Coliseum and you start walking into the neighborhoods, it's dodgy, to say the least. And so sure, they want sure. an area where people can hang out before and after the game. And no one's hanging out before or after the game there because there's nowhere to go.
20: Right. Like like uh, Wrigley Field, I remember it was like uh, going to a Cubs game in my youth. It was like you know they had bars. And it was like, or even outside Yankee Stadium. It's, it's a sketchy area, but immediately right off the state, you can hang out. There's bars, there's restaurants. But um, all right, all right. Well, let's 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 hope they stay in Oakland. Anyway, Rick, that's all I got, buddy. Talk to you hey,
6: thanks you. for the call. I appreciate it. That's uh, Charlie out there in uh, New York City. And <clears throat> listen. It's the kind of thing that, that I remember when the president of the A's before Dave Calville was a guy named uh, Mike Crowley, who was a nice guy uh, every time I met him. But I was told that when I back when I was on Extra Sports at 60, like 10 years ago, and I said this, I was just stressing that the A's, there's a big difference between needing a new stadium and wanting a new stadium. The A's want a new stadium. But everybody kept saying, you know, the whole thing, like, oh, they can't win, they can't win. And I remember when um, <clears throat> you had national writers saying that the, uh, you know, Peter Gammon said, the A's can't win in that building. And and I thought that that's really dumb from a guy who has seen them win pennants. And and do they have the, the creature comforts yet? But if you just obsess over something, you know, you just, it, it's the true thing with your work, with your relationship with your house, whatever, your car. And every time you get in your car, you're like, "Ah, oh, this is the biggest piece of crap. Or every time you see your girlfriend or boyfriend, your wife, your husband, you're like, oh, this person sucks. I got... And you just, you just keep continuing to beat that drum and beat that drum. That person can't win. You know, that car, even though you loved it once, it's like, you know, and then everyone starts saying, oh, yeah, you got to get rid of it, you got to get rid of it. And you just keep playing it over. That's why I got really mad a couple of years ago when the A's started winning. And they're like, I can't believe the fans aren't coming. Where are you, fans? Like, you can't talk about how much this place sucks for decades and then yell at the fans for not coming when you brainwashed all of them into believing that. that, that it doesn't work that way. And all the years I used to work on those A's pre and post games, people would call me and they go, Rick, tell people to come. I go, I will never tell people to come. I will mention in the pregame show, it's a bright, beautiful day. Plenty of tickets are available, and soon we're going to go to standard time, and it's going to be dark and rainy and cold, so come on out here. It'll be a great time, but I'll never say, where are the fans? Get out here. That doesn't work in church, in a mosque, in a synagogue, especially not in sports. You can't make people come to something. And so if you brainwash them and tell them it sucks, well, that's you're just uh, shooting yourself in the foot. And right, I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports Violin.
1: That's 800-693-8290. Airlines have just reduced their prices even more.
0: Book 30 days in advance and save big. Want the absolute lowest prices on your airline tickets? Then call the low-cost airlines travel hotline right now. For prices so low, we can not publish them anywhere.
1: 800 That's eight hundred seven five four forty five
0: thirty one.
14: Tittle ain't the man, but Rick Tittle know who the man is, and he slapped his white fanny.
6: Thank you for that. And, um, you know, as bizarro as this world gets with social media, that now social media people want to box, you know, and they get thousands of people interested. Think about the Padres and the Dodgers and the fight for Southern California. And the Padres have always been a footnote, eh, a couple of pennants. But now with that team, could they actually threaten the mighty Dodgers? And you think about Tatis taking Bauer deep. Well, what happens now after the game? You go on social media, and then Bauer has to say some things, and then there's a picture of Tatis holding a baby with Bauer's face on it, photoshopped in, and then they go back and forth. And it's fun. It's harmless, right? But could you imagine, like, (laughs) mickey Mannell and joe dimaggio or even like when i was a kid like reggie jackson (laughs) with them i i don't know maybe they would if it if it was available at the time it just seems so stupid but it's just it's a part of our culture now you're gonna get memes and people talking crap on social media especially guys like bauer who live their whole lives on social media All right, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pack time.